Hello. Welcome to the Caught the Mic podcast, where we chronicle stories of hope, healing, and a rediscovered sense of purpose. Through personal stories, guest interviews, and a few creative surprises, you'll see that God can pull us through the silence of our darkest years to a renewed sense of calling and mission. This is Gigi, your host, along with my co-producers, Joe Lopez and Sammy Lopez. We'd like to welcome you. This is season one, the early years. Here we go. On this episode of Caught the Mic, we're talking about why God allows suffering. God is not powerless concerning suffering, but I do believe that he's purposeful. And I do believe that we can leave the ditch of disbelief behind. You will never attain a thorough understanding of the reasons for all the evil and suffering in this world. Yet, as a Christian, we do have God's word, the Bible, which addresses some reasons for his purpose in allowing human pain and suffering. We can even start at the beginning. The first clues revealed in Genesis where Adam and Eve live in a state of bliss, right? And they have like only one command that they could defy. (laughs) And I feel like their disobedience of the one command shows us that left to our own devices, the human spirit just won't surrender to self-will. It's going to go to, hey, all is well. It's good. I'm good. And, you know, in cases like this, I would say oftentimes that suffering can be a gift from God. It allows us to experience the depth of his love that a life of ease just can't conceive. And in some ways, I was there. We did not have an easy childhood. Danny, myself, and my sister, Chrissy, we didn't. And as I promised, the early years, this first season... And we're only on episode one, which talks about why, why does God allow suffering? And so I feel like as our story unfolds, my heart, my goal is that it will point to how God has used suffering to grow us to such a dependence on him that then it becomes a testament to his power. I can tell you that childhood was rough. And if you want a greater definition of that, continue listening, right? It's going to unfold. Um, But I'm going to start with just the point of, let me take you to just one of the deepest places of sufferings that I've ever experienced. I was approximately 18, 20 years old when I got to a point of being on my knees, my face in the ground, pulling at grass at a cemetery. And now looking back, I'm almost thankful for that season because it has set the stage for the rest of my life. It's adjusted my expectation of what this earth has for me, what it can provide. It scratched, it leveled it. I'll put it to you that way. It leveled it for me and I have zero expectation of this world because my argument with God was if you could take someone that was so good that sought your will for his life, that reached others for you, if you could allow a bullet to remove him from this earth, why am I here? Why is anyone here? There's no good that can exist on this earth. I should be gone too. And I'm just being real with you that that was the point in which I became so critically dependent on the Lord. And I say that because it would take only the true existence of God to keep me alive here. 
because my only plan at his funeral was to jump in the hole where his coffin was being lowered into. I actually, I actually had thought in my brain that when everyone walked away, maybe they wouldn't even notice that I jumped in. And so if they covered me with dirt while they covered his coffin, it's kind of a two for one. You know, they could have me too gone from this earth and I didn't mind it. And I thought maybe it would be viewed as an accident. Again, this is no rational thinking. It's not rational. It was grief, despair, and my identity being not aligned correctly with the word of God. I'll tell you that I've learned a lot since then. And what I've learned is that suffering produces repentance that leads us to salvation from sin. Danny had talked to me so frequently about, Jeannie, but where are you with God? Where are you with God? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Man, until I'd been suffering in such a deep pain that I was rolling around on the ground, um, I didn't really understand what salvation was. The other thing I know about suffering is that it produces steadfastness. And that matures you. It matures you emotionally. It matures you in, in just spiritually in many ways. I believe suffering also produces endurance. It can refine your character. And it can actually renew your hope. You know, I never sought out for these lessons. I didn't want them. They landed in my lap the night of October 6, 1990, when an unknown assailant approached my brother and with one bullet through the passenger side of his car ended his life. It changed the trajectory of my life. Landed me in a world of things I feel I would never have known otherwise. I can tell you that the word promises many things to those in deep despair, in deep grief. And let me just create a common understanding of my definition of grief. I believe grief is the collision of whatever our expectation was with the reality of whatever it is today. And if it's not what we planned on, they're going to smash head on and you're going to land yourself in the middle of grief. This I know to be true, though. In Psalms 34, 7, it says that the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. And I got to that place where I felt him more than ever, completely surrounding me and cradling me. I would not have known that that depth of his love otherwise. Also in Psalms, uh, Psalms 34, 18 says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Now, that doesn't say slightly tainted, hurt, sad, crushed. Have you known crushed? I've known crushed. I've known demolished. I've, I've known completely leveled to the ground. I have known, I say that my point isn't just like to the ground. Mine was six feet even below ground because my only desire was to be buried six feet below so when they say crushed in spirit, I have a true, genuine uh, understanding of that. And, you know, Psalms 56, 8 even says, you have kept count of my tossings. You've put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? And that's, that's the hope I cling to. I believe that there's going to be an account for this. He knows the tears we've cried. He knows the pain that we know. I'm just trying to give you 
an understanding. Let's start with a common denominator of the level of which I will be communicating with you in this podcast, because this really is what you're going to get. I don't know if you're wanting your ears tickled, if you're wanting to hear a prosperity message right now. <laughs> I I don't I don't speak from those things. I speak from growth that I experienced through absolute pain and despair and hopelessness. I can just tell you that I have to sing that from the rooftops because if he can rebuild someone from the place I was at to this today, who now I've married 29 years, three adult kids, three grandkids, I'm still walking one foot in front of the other. And this is from a kid who my only desire every day was to wake up and die. I was disappointed if I woke up and I saw the sun. That's that's what I can deliver in this podcast, is the hope of a person that was there to the person that I am today. We've taken in a few questions already um, that have been emailed to us. Um, I want to encourage you, as this season unfolds, again, it's going to be called the early years. Um, I want you to go ahead and send in your questions. Are you curious about what the heck it is I'm talking about? <laughs> How do I know this hope? How do I know Jesus is real? How do I know he can do all this? Email us at caughtthemikeshow at gmail.com. That's caughtthemikeshow at gmail.com. Send in your questions. Um I've got my cool, super cool producer here, Joe Lopez. Happens that he's also my husband. And he was sifting through the emails that we received just this week. And he saw a few questions that would be really good um, to ask. And I'm going to have him present those. And I'll kind of give my answers. But I would encourage you as listeners, please feel free to email us. Caught the mic show. Caught the mic show at gmail.com. Send in your questions. Now, season one is dedicated to the early years. By early years, sending questions regarding childhood up to teen years. Now, I'm not touching yet on when D-Boy and I landed in Texas. Let's start before that to give you some groundwork so I can truly understand the context of where it is that we landed and then where I landed eventually when I had to be on this earth without him. Hope that makes sense. Please don't hesitate. Send in your questions. But Joe, what questions did we get this week? So the first question is, do you think God protected you and Danny meaning in spite of everything you both were able to embody hope and joy and how the second part of that question is do you think you have to choose this or is it a gift from God great question looks like that came from Heather in Texas thank you Heather for your question um you asked here I think that God protected me and Danny um in that you know, we were able to embody hope and joy. I um, mean, how did he protect us? I would say that um, I'm not immune, you know, more than anyone else. And a lot of the hope and joy that I had prior to, to Danny and his death um, was pretty superficial. <laughs> it was relying upon circumstances and life going according to how I wanted it to go. Um, so I would say that the hope and joy I embodied prior to experiencing the loss of my brother and many other tragedies um, was rather superficial. Um, now Danny's, on the other hand, it was unique. And maybe that's why Danny could go at 22 because it seemed very sincere to me. 
Um, he was very childlike in his love of the Lord and his faith and his joy. Um, I don't, I just don't understand how he kept, some say what, the good, the good die young. Um, he got something younger than I did. Um, I would say that the kind of suffering and grief and loss that I've experienced, and, and this is speaking to Danny's loss as well as many other tragedies in our life. Um, it moved me from a certain kind of expectation and emotional response to the Lord into a faith-based response. So it's not so much based on my circumstances or feeling anymore. It's just based and rooted in faith. And that's so freeing because if I had to ride every emotional wave or every circumstance that has to go in my, the direction that I wanted to go, I will always have super highs and super lows, right? So um, it really just kind of leveled my understanding and my expectation of what hope and joy look like really in the Lord versus in emotion. And then you ask, do you think you have had to choose this or is it a gift from God? I would love to say it dropped right on my head and boom, it was just there. Um, I believe it's a daily choice. It's a daily choice. Losses, pain, grief, depression, anxiety, these things daily try to consume us. And so every single day I have to grab hold and hug close the cross and a savior or I will drown. So um, although I would love to tell you it's a special gift I received, it truly is a choice in my opinion. All right. Second question. Do you hold anger against God for the loss of your brother? And how did you reconcile with God in time? That question came from a friend with the initials AM. And hi, AM. Thank you so much for sending that question in. And so you asked if I hold anger against God for the loss of my brother and how I reconciled with um, God in time, you know, over that particular issue. And um, I would say without a doubt, my initial response was complete anger. Um, But it came from a place of being uninformed and from a place of, I knew how to speak what I believed, but I never had to completely 1000% rely and breathe and live upon that belief. And so move me from a place of, yeah, yeah, I believe this and I can rap about it and I can sing about it, I can talk about it. And now what does that look like when I actually have to walk this belief out if it contradicts what I'm seeing? And right there at that intersection is faith, right? And so God had the love and compassion for me to, and the patience to walk through with me what this journey would look like for me personally. I mean, um, anger was just the top of my list. And I honestly, I didn't want to see him. I didn't want to hear God's voice. I don't want to see him. I didn't want to know any purpose through it. I didn't want to have any understanding of purpose through it. As far as I was concerned, there was no purpose, reason, rhyme for any of that to occur. So I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even hear him on the matter. How I responded actually addresses even the second part of your question, which asks, how did I reconcile with God in time? I reconciled by looking up and by listening. And by that, I mean, I've heard many people over the years to say, I don't hear God. I don't hear God. And I get that. But I also know for me personally, I know when I've blocked him out. I know when I didn't want to hear him. 
what good is there to see in a bullet to the abdomen and the person you love and respect so much that protected you, loved you, all of that, gone from the face of the earth overnight without a goodbye. Um, I held a lot of anger and honestly, I didn't want to hear God. But I can tell you the reconciliation occurred when I looked up and I listened and I began to see where he was in the picture, where he was holding me, how much he loved me and where he wanted to take me. So reconciliation came in the looking up and in the listening. All right. Great questions. Again, uh, submit your questions to caught the mic show at gmail.com. That's caught the mic show at gmail.com. Last question. Do you have any regrets? Great question. FW out of Maryland. Thank you for that question. Regrets, man. Regrets. I could list them off, but I will take you specifically to that, that, that era. And, um, my regrets started small and kind of grew and then they were drowning me. Um, and I will say from the smallest regret of, did I say I love you one last time? Could I have hugged him and kissed my brother one last time? Then moving into another era of my life, was I present with people I loved? Was I so wallowing in the past and that murder and everything that I missed out and things in front of me um, and things ahead of me? I have many, many regrets. And I will tell you that um, they are many. But what I learned is that, guess what? They can also be hammered to the cross. And when I did that, my sins and my regrets could be pinned to that cross. It was very freeing because regrets can turn on you and become sources of shame. Because you realize what you missed out on. You realize what you didn't see in front of you and who you didn't see or how well you didn't love or... Maybe you could have been a better parent. You could have been a better daughter. You could have been a better... It just went on and on and on. Once the scales fell from my eyes and I was healing from the grief, it became a matter of those regrets drowning me. I believe the plan for regrets is just that. It's to steal more years from us. So I came to a point of drawing a line in the sand and adding those regrets to my sins and just saying, God... Just take them because now they're about to drown me. And I made the decision um, because over time, something I realized is that when you lose deeply, you then have a responsibility to live deeply. And I lost a lot. And so I want to live a lot. And in order to live a lot, I can't let my regrets bury me. And so guess what? God has some big, broad shoulders big arms big hands to hold all of that and I'm not built for it so rather than let them pile up I just had to hand them to him so I hope that that answers your question FW in Maryland got some really good questions also just even about the podcast in general uh, Roz asked us uh, she sent an email asking what our goal is for the podcast my goal is to live transparently and as I've been speaking in smaller circles the curiosity is building and I find people just continually asking more and more questions and they seem fascinated by um, the ability to uh, recover from a lot of the loss pain grief 
Um, and then also, you know, the ability to communicate what God's done. I would say the goal for this podcast is to be able to communicate the ways in which we've been redeemed and restored so that that brings hope to others. That's really it in a nutshell. Um, and then I got another question here. It says, where do you see yourself in five years in ministry? Um, you know what? I would love, I'd love to go talk to folks. I mean, I know we're in the middle of a COVID environment where we can't always do that. But, you know, I love in-person opportunities. And whether it's me personally or us as a married couple, I would love to see a book published um, kind of outlining a lot of these ways that God's met us, redeemed us, restored us. The bottom line is in whatever environment we can communicate the hope of the Lord and just what he's done for us personally. Um, another question from our friend Heather. Um, she says, how do you foresee yourself managing time constraints to produce this podcast? And what about navigating spiritual hurdles and attacks? What will be your biggest personal hurdles? Well, folks, let me let you in on a little secret. My biggest personal hurdle is me. <laughs> is it you with you? I don't know. It's me with me. Um, so, you know, in managing time constraints to produce the podcast, a lot of that is prioritizing and remembering the mission. Um, and then, you know, navigating spiritual hurdles and attacks, it's staying focused, just staying focused on the real mission. And that, again, is just communicating the hope that God's given to us and just creating just tangible opportunities where people can grab hold and just see for themselves, you know, where God's met someone and then believe, hey, he can meet me there. That's kind of my, the, the wind beneath my wings, I'll put it to you that way. Um, and so I would ask for prayer. I'd ask for prayer that um, Joe and I, you know, continue on this track here and um, recognize that God has opened up doors for sharing our story um, so that it brings others to the Lord. And that's our ultimate goal, that when we get up there, that we're heard, even if it was through a podcast, whether meeting us in person, the podcast through, um, you know, poetry or what have you. That even if one comes to the Lord, we've said this from the very first one, even if one is up there and said, it's because I heard something that you said and it pointed me to the Lord and it gave me hope. Well, that's our why. And we believe that that will give us the strength to overcome even ourselves and our personal hurdles. So thank you for that question. And so I'll remind you as we close out, that none of our suffering, none of our pain is in vain. Psalms 56, 8 reminds us, you have kept count of my tossings. You put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? And I believe that the many, many, many tears, and I mean buckets, have been collected. And because while here on earth, we decided that for a little bit, we would turn those around and not let them drown us. But we would point to the Lord and how he kept us alive. I believe all those tears will be written in that book and there will be purpose in them. So please continue to hang with us through this podcast and 
May that story continue to unfold for you. Love you guys. Stay tuned. Stood silently staring into a coffin that should be a stranger. Feeling claustrophobic. Gasping for relief. See, they paid last respects, but I paid with a promise. I whispered pain-filled words over the remains of a man forced to escape this messed up world. A face that won't smile at me on the side again. I won't hear that commanding tone that said, don't mess with my sister. He was a fierce protector that I left unprotected. Left him alone. John Doe on a cold metal table with a bullet to the side from a faceless stranger and torturous thoughts made it impossible to stop a deadly vow from going from my spirit to my lips. My red, swollen eyes eyed his tender face. It looked like he was just in a deep sleep. It looked so peaceful. But I glared at that shiny metal box and whispered under my breath and into the pit of hell, let me hurt. For the rest of my life, I want pain. Don't release me no matter what I say. Yeah, I begged for a dance, a dance with darkness. I was desperate for pain. I wanted a pain that I could grab onto because an abstract hole of heartache wasn't concrete enough to carve out. Whether it be physical or mental, I didn't care how. I said, don't release me. And just like that, I released a vow and it would own me for decades. It might not make sense to you, but I wanted punishment to surround my pain. So grief and warped beliefs melted together like bad chemistry. They formed a black seal over my heart, eventually forming my penalty. And these words, they were eagerly received by the depths of darkness. And what was the crime? It was a stranger that opened the door to a word I knew but had never felt grief like a burning hell on earth it left me an empty shadow barely existing on the brink of insanity i actually pleaded for an accident to end me i rationalized that a perfectly timed accident wasn't exactly suicide identity was twisted and it clung to a mortal instead of jesus and days morphed into weeks thrown away and i concentrated constantly on his face living in shattered memories and ravaged dreams. It was a life stuck on rewind and play back. Rewind and play back. Rewind and play back. I was desperate to protect memories a killer couldn't kill and memories I refused to bury. I unintentionally made my brother an idol in whom I found my identity. D's sis. That title was me. 
So who was I now? Who was I now? I cried out graveside, yanking at grass. And it took two decades before I paused long enough to hear God's response. And here's what I've learned since that horrific loss. We didn't all lose the same thing or the same one at the same time, but in one way or another, we all know grief. See, grief's common denominator is the collision of what we knew with a new we never asked for. Am I the only one that's known an internal flame so strong it feels like an inferno that keeps you alive just to burn you, angry at a world that has the audacity to continue? while there's one standing alone fighting to survive a hurricane. But here's what I know now to be true. Pain combined with isolation is a devastating recipe. It creates an ulcer, a dark place capable of manipulating God's plans for his most favored creation. His heart weeps when we wander like zombies in a half-alive existence. Don't kid yourself. It's not living. You can't fight alone working on your magic time machine to go back and fix the past that you still live in. Look, there are seasons. We don't feel holy. Just filled with holes. I know what it's like to weep in a language that no one can understand. I know personally, though, the great translator who understands our groans and tears. He speaks hope our souls long to hear. I surrendered the hate and anger devouring me, and he exchanged my depression for a sense of peace and trust that has forever changed me. We won't always know every word to every sentence that becomes our story. But my God, my God uses a pen that corrects and erases. It fills the blanks on our pages with hope. He's the hero at the end of our story. His blood was exchanged for our sin and our wounds. You can be restored by your maker and he specializes in you. Let's leave the wise in the lap of its sovereignty. God can lead us out of any hell that we've made home. His blood has been exchanged for our sin and our wounds. We'll be restored by a maker and he specializes in you. He can redeem and repurpose our pain and reclaim our identity. Not for the false appendage that's been duct taped to our hearts, it's been passed off as us for too long. Let's give him our hurt and our pain. Let's make them our battle scars. They'll be limps that cried out that we fought like Jacob. Our losses and gains will be weaved together, making a quilt called a testimony, lightening our load so we can see the door that has a cross for a handle. Open it. You'll see your healer. And he set aside all appointments to meet with us. He'll write a new chapter in our life book. See, he's an author that doubles as a surgeon. He'll fill our veins with power surges that purify our existence once toxic. And it cost him. But the same power that resurrected a savior has resurrected our lives. 
Let's let him revive our dreams that we've grieved, that we thought were gone. He's reserved our place in a lineage of fighters, a legacy rich with stories like mine. Join us, a family of sinners pulled from bondage, redeemed, repurposed, and recycled.